we first really got to know you on Cowboy Channel back at Denver, you're officially in full swing with rodeo, competing here at a large rodeo like San Antonio. What is it like being back in rodeo in such a big way? I mean, you really can't, uh, it, it's hard to quantify because um, I wasn't roping in June, uh, obviously for the right reasons, but uh, you come back and I've never taken a victory lap, you know, I've, I haven't done those things and so uh, getting to come back and, and see the, just the bright lights and all this, it, it's really just like, where am I even at, you know, and you, and you just get taken in every time. I hope you're enjoying these big moments, but congratulations on tonight. Yes, thank you so much. And I just want to tell everyone that uh, Jesus did more than, than uh, just die so you could get to heaven. He died so that he can get heaven inside of you. So God bless and uh, Jesus loves y'all so much. Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Today is a, a very a very different episode than we've ever done. If you saw the intro of the trailer, Braden got a... Braden, you, I'll let you kick it off here in a minute and explain. I don't want to split too much and allow you to tell a story. But Braden was roping at the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. Did very well. Had the opportunity to speak in front of the Cowboy Channel, the biggest rodeo network that, that we have today. And, and, and talk about Jesus. Every time I quote it, I quote it wrong. I quote that one word wrong. But just tell us about what happened in San Antonio, what you said, and just just kind of unwrap it, provide a little context for us. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. Um, there's so much that I'm just going to get into, I mean, the last line that was important um, that I said. And um, what I said was, Jesus didn't just die so we could get to heaven. He died so he could get heaven inside of us. Um, and... It's a bold statement, and I think that, um, you know, I think in this culture, it's easy to be someone that is scared of saying something that is going to maybe, it's going to be like, wait, what did he say? And it be, can be taken out of context. Mm -hmm. What I would say to that is, Jesus did that all the time. You know what I mean? He made them like what is he saying yeah eat my flesh like, and drink, drink my, my blood, blood. Cannibal, this guy's insane right so um and that's not what i was thinking in the moment i'm just i'm trying to share the heart of god but i can't have fear of man being misunderstood. this statement's crazy so i would like to unpack it though and and the most important thing to understand is i'm not saying that jesus didn't die so we could get to heaven of course he did but he wants to do more than that he wants to he wants to put heaven here. He wants to put heaven inside of us. He wants uh, heaven to invade earth. He wants the kingdom of heaven to reign on earth. And I think the idea is we don't understand these profound statements that we make like this. We're the body of Christ. Right. What do you think that is? That is we are, we become God's body on earth. Yes. We are heaven on earth, right? Yeah. Because... um you know, we are taking the the heart of God and, and sharing it. So that's the most important thing to understand about it. Um, and I'm just so grateful to to uh, get the opportunity to um, say what I was saying. And, um, you know, to this point, you know, Cowboy Channel has been so great towards me about sharing. And, you know, if there was a day that didn't happen, it'd be okay. But yeah. right now they've been totally awesome with it. So yeah, she said like, you're always here with an amazing message or something yeah. like that. And I think the key word in your, in your statement, right. Is the word just, that's the key word in the whole thing, mm -hmm. which the, is the one I always miss. Which is the one you always miss, right? <laughs> Jesus didn't just die. 
to get heaven in or to get us into heaven. He died also to get heaven into us. And it's that word just. It's like Jesus accomplished so many things on the cross. And that's what we are quick to forget. We're, we quickly just think Jesus' death, the gospel, the Bible, our relationship with God is only about the hereafter. Is only about you know what happens after you die. Where are you going to spend eternity? And that is a big facet of it because as we've already talked about in previous episodes, I mean, you use the Francis Chan rope analogy. Yeah. You know, our life on earth is really short and eternity is so long. And Jesus did impact that eternity. Yeah. But he also, the good news is that that eternity is now able to be leaked mm. into that small portion of the rope to where we're not just sitting here saying, God just... I'm going to just trust you till I make it, you know, or I'm trust you till I die. You know, if, if, if it was all about heaven, you would drop dead the moment you got saved. If that's the whole point, God would just be like, Oh, you're saved. Bam. Taking you home. No, there's something left for you to do. There's Mm -hmm. a, there's a mission that is yet to be accomplished. And now heaven is in you in order to get that mission done. Um, and I think that's what you're saying. And you are on a mission from God and I, I applaud you, man. Thank you. And I would just say this, that, Eternal life starts the moment you say Jesus died for my sins, right? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Say it with your chest. It's on. the moment you believe in Jesus that eternal life starts and you die right? and the new person comes. Amen. You know what I mean? So um, the idea of, you know, we're just going to hold on tight and squeeze and hold on and mm-hmm. until the Lord either the Lord comes back or or uh we pass away we just hold on tight till we make it up there until right. we make it to heaven you know and that's not the that's not the gospel that Jesus was sharing um it was a gospel that empowered people here on earth uh to be like him mm-hmm. and to walk like him to talk like him to think like him yeah um so and yeah people- that was that was really the importance of the statement it, it's it's to bring action to the people again and, and not, you know, we're not just waiting around till we, you know, whatever and trying to hold on tight and man, the world's just so ugly and the world's just so bad in this. It's like we live in the world and we're supposed to change it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The meek shall inherit the earth. You know, it yeah. doesn't say that, um, it doesn't say meek shall inherit heaven. If we're going to walk in true humility and in true submission to wow. God, yeah. then we're going to, we're going to change the world. What a great little nugget there. The meek shall inherit the earth. And maybe the reason we aren't inheriting the earth is because we aren't meek. And we kind of talk, we've kind of unpacked this idea of meekness in a previous podcast. But meek is not weak. It is strength under control. You know, it, Jesus was the meekest man who ever lived, but it was because he had all power, all strength, but he had complete control, self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit, right? Um, and so, and that's the idea of Christians. We have power. We have, I mean, the Bible says we have dunamis. I mean, that's the, literally the power of the Holy Spirit is that Greek word dunamis. It literally means like dynamite power. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're called to blow stuff up. We're called to demolish things. But the things we demolish are these false arguments and pretenses and ideologies and philosophies that go against the knowledge of God, right? That's what yeah. the scriptures say. And so, and I think we're called to be disruptors. You know, there's that new show, or it's not a new show. It's a new movie, Glass Onion. Not saying I endorse it, but it, it was fine. It was whatever. 
Um, but their whole thing is about we're a group of disruptors, right? You disrupt this thing and we, then you go on and disrupt this next thing. I mean, they're obviously doing that in a negative sense, but I think as Christians, we are called to disrupt the stuff. And eventually we're called to disrupt the stuff. We're called to blow up the sacred cows. I mean, sacred cows make the best barbecue. I'll tell you right now, we're called to slaughter the sacred cows that God has never deemed sacred. God says, that's not even my, my thing. I didn't put my rubber stamp on that. You know, mm-hmm. we're called to redefine priority and importance and what ultimately life is all about. Because life is all about knowing God, being with God, being one with God, being reunited with God, and then being used by God to help other people experience the same, right? That's what all life's about. I think when you make the statements, Jesus didn't die just for you to get to heaven, but also for having to get inside of you, are you clean? Are you a sinner? Are you filthy? Right. Are you clean? Are you filthy? Are you a sinner? Are you a saint? Like these questions that— right. People are often triggered by, and I was once triggered by them too, and I've been yeah. growing in this understanding. But what it does is, for some reason, it springs a pride in us. I think the pride of like, oh, how could we be, it's a, the false humility idea that how are we going to be raised up to a level of we are blameless, we are holy, we are set apart, because for some reason it... For some reason of us us setting ourselves at a lower, like we're still like God's up there and we're down here, for some reason makes us feel better about ourselves or give us a justification for sin maybe. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but why these statements are accurate is because we're supposed to manifest God's glory here on earth. Mm-hmm. And the word manifest can be tricky for some people, but all it is is to reveal, show, or display. Yeah. To, to reveal, show, or display God's glory to the earth. So when Brayden says... You know, God didn't just put, uh, you didn't, Jesus didn't just die for heaven to, for you to get to heaven, but for heaven to get inside of you. It's not, yes, you are a benefiting factor of that because you experience peace, joy. You are, you begin to walk in love. You begin to walk in peace, the fruits of the spirit, which we're Mm going to talk about later. But you're also benefiting the world, which is probably the primary purpose of Jesus doing all this. Yeah. Is it's for the world. But a lot of times we, we, we push back at these statements because we think, oh, that's a self-centered point of view. Mm-hmm. How can you call yourself a saint? We still sin. We still do that. How could you? Right. But it's just this false humility, but it's not for us. Right. When we think it's it's a it's a wrong perspective yeah. on why you're trying, why what the end goal of having heaven inside of you is for. It's not for me. Yeah. I'm yeah. just uh Yeah, I was I was actually someone telling someone this last night and uh they're just talking about how, you know, it's easy to be hard on yourself and all these things and be in condemnation. Um, and, the, and basically, calling yourself a sinner is living in condemnation. Yeah, right? without a doubt. So, and what I said was, every time you are mad at yourself or you're calling yourself this or that, you're saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough for me. And yeah. what I did was bigger than what you did. Come on. And I don't, I don't care that you got lashed. I don't care that you died on the cross. What I did was too much for you. And so it's, um, we have to take that perspective that the blood covers, you know, the blood not just covers, the blood takes away sin Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's no longer in us. So I fully agree. I mean, and and that's where we have to get, people don't realize that we as human beings are ourselves triune. The same way God is a triune being, he's Father, Son, Spirit, right? The Trinity, we ourselves are triune. We are spirit, soul, 
body, mm. right? And what the gospel salvation made perfect was that spirit part of you, right? That is made literally pristine, perfect. The second you put your faith in Jesus, that part of you is alive, regenerated, made literally perfect in the eyes of God. But then you have those other two facets. You have the soul, which the soul is not the same as your spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you have your body. And what we do, sanctification is a big theological word, for the process of getting these two things to line up with this first one, right? We're getting our soul and our body to line up with the, with the truth about our spirit, which our spirit is who yeah. we really are. The spirit is what goes to heaven. The spirit is what lives on. The spirit is the, the most real part of who we are. And we're, we are allowing the spirit to tell our soul and our body to line up with what Jesus did. And the problem is more of us, I, so many of us identify more with our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, than we do with our spirit. And that's what over and over Paul yeah. is trying to preach. He's saying, I mean, that's the difference between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is that soul part of you, right? And sometimes even the body. And Paul's saying, no, lean into the spirit. The spirit is what's been regenerated. Listen to the spirit. The spirit calls unto the spirit. Deep calls unto deep, right? And and that's the part we have to identify with. And the quicker we identify with the spirit, our soul will line up with our spirit and our body will line up with our spirit and begin to act like who we really are. Yeah, I I genuinely believe that sanctification is just stepping deeper and deeper into the belief of what already happened the day you believed in Jesus. Yes. And uh, it's such a, wow. it can be a crazy process. No, that's but, true. But it's, that's literally all that's, and that's happening. that's a great way to put it. That was really profound. No, when I, well, you, you keep using the word identify. I think mm-hmm. that's the key of it. And I think I want to focus on the statement, are we filthy or are we clean? Yep. Sometimes, like for this idea, I just have to read scripture because sometimes this Go is too it. profound of a thought to put into words. But this is Colossians one nineteen. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to what? Present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Mm-hmm. People will say, are you saying you're not a sinner anymore, but you still sin? Yes, me, Cole Harris, I still sin, but it's about identity and it's yes. about being presented. I have the resume of Jesus now. Yep. I am, when we, well, you said justification is to be made right with God. When you profess faith in God and you're saved, you are then made right with God in a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. You are saved. But that saved, it's not like that's a ticket that when we die, we'll then grab on our way out or like we're cattle funneling through this thing and get they're gonna smack on our butts he's ready for heaven no we get it now like the the justification the justification is it's true but but the people yes we still sin but it's who jesus says we are and we are presented as holy and blameless because of the blood of jesus and that the thing you have to get down to is whose actions define you Jesus' actions and your actions cannot define you at the same time. It's either Jesus' actions are defining you or your own actions. And that's why either self-hatred or self-righteousness 
should not be entertained by the yeah. Christian because it's not about anything I do. On yeah. my highest day when I was the most moral and the most holy and the most like in tune with the spirit, none of that changed my status with God. But on the days I was the most unholy and I gave into the temptation and I, I did have that hatred toward that person in my heart and I was doing all these awful things, that doesn't change my connection to God because my actions that are good and my actions that are bad don't define me because none of my actions define me. The action of Christ on the cross, him crucified by the blood of his cross, that is what defines me once and for all. And it's not going to change on a good day and it's certainly not going to change on a bad day. Hey guys, before we get back to the episode, I want to tell you about our friends over at 612 Printing in Coa. 612 Printing provides screen printing services um, to the Christian ministries and Christian brands. And the cool thing about 612 and Coa is that they now provide together fulfillment services, much like ASOS. You list your product up on their site, and they will actually store your products and ship out your products. So all you're responsible for is making the sale. They'll take care of the rest. And they just really want to see Christian brands be raised up, Christian ministries be raised up, so you can focus on what you're called to focus on. If that's something you're interested in, reach out to COA612, and uh, I think they can be of service to y'all. God bless. Uh, and I like to think of this idea. Wow. Why would a, why would someone have confidence that on Judgment Day they're going to be presented righteous by the blood of Jesus, and then they're going to go into heaven? But today, even though they believe in the same Jesus, they're pronounced a sinner. Right. How are you, why do you have confidence if you believe that you're still – because that's what you're saying, right? You don't have confidence. Exactly. You meet, you meet those Christians, the, the, they're the most unconfident people in 100%. their relationship with God, period, because, yeah, they ebb and flow. We all ebb and flow. I mean I have days I wake up, the birds are chirping, the sun's shining. I'm like, I just want to be a good husband. Yeah. I want to get in my Bible. I, I want to like delete Instagram forever, never give another uh, you know attention to anything that isn't just the scripture and my you know prayer journal. Yeah. And then I have days where it's like, oh my gosh, why did I wake up? Like seriously, <laughs> I tell you what it is. Yeah, ebb and flow. Right here, what it is. We a lot of times we pray like this: God, I'm single. Lord, bring me my girlfriend. Bring me my wife. Lord, help me drive safe to Nacogdoches today. Lord, um, I have a pay, I have this job interview I'm wanting. Lord, help me get this job. Right. Right. Those aren't innately bad prayers, but those oftentimes are the only things we pray. So then, because we're praying the wrong way, we are then, if you don't get the job, if you crash on your way to Nacogdoches, if you don't get the girlfriend, you are now identifying with the circumstances mm. instead of identifying with who he has made you to be and by who he is and by what he's done on the cross. Yeah. yeah. Because if you, by the prayers you pray, if they don't get answered, you are then, based on what you're praying, you are setting yourself up for failure to then identify with your circumstances. If you are only praying on circumstantial things versus praying, Lord, magnify your heart in my life, magnify magnify your voice in my life, magnify you, how you view people in my eyes. Help me see people the way you see people. Yeah. All like, how what are you saying to the earth right now? What are you saying to your church right now? What do you like? These are different prayers versus just circumstantial prayers because of your focus, mm -hmm. your focus needs to be on the heart of God versus the circumstances you are in. I think at the topic of prayer has been one of the things I've been thinking about so much. And I'm so glad you brought it up Come because I, I, for years, this was how I, this is how I, I viewed prayer. I didn't realize it until recently. And I got some of this language recently, but I used pr prayer was the ladder I used to try to grab a hold of the, the promises of God, right? I would mm -hmm. build my prayer in an attempt 
to get a hold of the promise rather than laying the promise as the foundation and then building my prayer on top of the promise. I used my prayer as a means to, to grab the promise instead of understanding the promise of God's my foundation. It's not the thing I'm trying to get to. It's the thing I live from. Right. And I think when we, when we approach prayer, when we approach any aspect of our relationship with God with that, I don't worship for love. I worship from love. I don't do these things for, you know, a pat on the back. I do it from the fact that God's already patting me on the back. I don't do it for affection. I do it from affection, right? It, it, it's, it's a complete shift in the game when you begin to look at it that way. Because here is the thing I found, and I preached on this. There's a whole sermon on YouTube. I think it's called Out of Order. I preached on it recently at YA. But many of us, the, biblically speaking, men are to be the initiator right? In a relationship, the woman is the responder, right? Men are to initiate, women are to respond. That's one bone I have to pick with a lot of guys out there is they are waiting for a woman to initiate with them. When biblically speaking, you're called to be the initiator, like you're called to be the wooer. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, not he who is found by a wife is found by a good thing, right? We get it out of order. But notice this, the Bible likens Jesus to a groom and us, the, 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 his body, as the bride. And it says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Jesus found us. We don't find him. Jesus initiates with us. And the problem is Jesus is the initiator. The proper sequence of events, Jesus initiates, the bride responds. Jesus initiates, the bride responds. We have, we have tried to step into his role. And become the initiator with him. And that's why prayer is a means of initiation. God, if you're out there, I'm starting a conversation rather than allowing prayer to be your response to the God who is already beckoning, wooing, pursuing. I've been, even while you slept, he did not slumber. He was counting the hairs you have on your head. He was keeping your heart beating, your lungs pumping, right? Like that's where we're called to be. It's a response to the one who never takes a break, who never takes his eye off of us. I mean, our Bible reading is is a means of initiation. God, I'm trying to initiate. I'm trying to pursue you. Instead of going, God, you already wrote me a letter. I'm responding in reading it. You initiated. This book was your idea. You wrote this down thousands of years, 1,400 years, 44 different authors, but one voice. It was all God. I'm responding. And we have, we have gotten it out of order. We have taken his role, and it's the reason our Christian lives suck. That's awesome. <clears throat> I was going to read one of mine. So one of my favorite verses um, or passages is uh, Acts 16, 25 through 24, um, when Paul and Silas were jailed. Because I think that is, it's the, my favorite representation of what a real, what prayer life actually looks like and what a life lived truly unto God and a heart, what that actually looks like. So I'll start at uh, 25. <clears throat> and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that, the, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were, were loosed. So I'm just going to read just those two. But <clears throat> this idea that Paul and Silas were jailed and they're singing praises mm-hmm. to God, 
that strikes me as two people that weren't going, God, get us out of here. Oh, gosh, this is terrible. Get us out. Get us mm-hmm. out. Get us out. I find that as people that didn't even care about their circumstances. They didn't even care about the situation. And guess what? Then God lets them out. Mm-hmm. And it's like the they didn't even change. Nothing changed in their hearts or in their lives from being in the prison, being jailed, to getting out of the jail. Nothing changed in them. Yeah. They're the same person. They they weren't more uplifted when they got out yeah. because they already had what all they needed inside the jail cell. And and then God just well, we're going to free you. Bro, I got I I would just want to echo that cuz the scriptures just speak this over and over. Again, I preached this recently, literally like last week at our young adult service, preached the message on Jonah. I just called it running from God. And obviously, if you know the story of Jonah, he ends up in the belly of a great fish, right? He's in this deep, dark place. He doesn't realize it's ultimately what looked like his death would become his deliverance. Because while he's sitting in the belly of that fish, it's swimming to Nineveh, where he should have been the whole time. Um, But he's sitting down there, and all of Jonah chapter 2, it's only four chapters, the entire book, but Jonah chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer. He's just sitting there praying in the belly of the fish. And it ends like this, but with with the voice of thanksgiving or a voice of gratitude, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Notice the sequence. Verse nine, Jonah got grateful. Verse 10, Jonah got out. Jonah got grateful. Then immediately Jonah gets out. And a lot of us were like, God, once you get me out, I'll get grateful. God, once you get me out of this, then I'll give, I'll give you some thanksgiving. And Jonah found the means to being able to get out of his situation the same way Paul and Silas did. And it Mm. wasn't even like they knew they were tapping into a cheat code. They didn't know they were tapping in the right buttons, but it's like, even regardless, exactly. Regardless of where this thing takes me, I am going to get grateful. I'm going to be thankful. God, look how far you've brought me. God, if this is where the whole thing ends, you're still going to get glory through my, my demise. You're going to get glory through my death. You're going to get glory through however this thing goes, you will get the glory. And then Jonah got grateful. That's Jonah awesome. got out. Paul, Paul and Silas got grateful, and they got out. I th- I just think that God wants us to be mature. Yes. Right? And he doesn't want us to be circumstantial people. Yeah. Our circumstances are good. We're good. If not, we're not. Because <clears throat> at some point, he's wanting to win everyone else. Yeah. Right? And and the best way to do that is to for you to become like Jesus. What was Jesus like? He took joy in going to the cross. Yeah, his suffering. That type of, it doesn't even matter what's going on. I just am grateful and I know the goodness of God yep. so well that it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I feel like in terms of being grateful, it's a very similar thought process as to the idea of being a sinner. I feel like so many people are trying to be forgiven every day and they don't even know it. They go, Like you yeah. said, they're going to their Bible, they're going to God trying to be forgiven they go to their word and they need that emotional experience like that coffee and bible time just Uh i feel forgiven now but they don't even know that every day they're not starting from a place of forgiven like you said Mm -hmm. and then going towards it yeah they're i need to do this to get forgiven it's the same thing with being grateful and this is an, an area where i pray like the lord increases in my life we're talking about suffering like the last two years, I haven't gone through a profound suffering, you know what I'm saying? But like, 
coming from you have to come you have to understand understand yeah. is the key word you have to understand 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 who you are in Jesus yes. to even come to a point where you can consider to even do what Paul and Silas did mm-hmm. to sing praises in the midst of that that only can come from understanding yes yeah. the, the outcome is like you're grateful then you get out yeah but it's the same thing with thinking you're a sinner you're you're I need to, I need to, I need to feel forgiven today. I need to, I need to feel grateful today. You're, mm-hmm. you're trying to get grateful. Yeah. Instead of coming from understanding your identity in Christ, this mm-hmm. is the key to everything. I think it, it, it goes both ways. People want, pe- again, we keep coming back to this, but I think it's because God's trying to really drive this home. Um, but just being led by our feelings of, I want to feel forgiven. Well, I don't care if you feel forgiven. You are forgiven. And here's the other thing, the flip side of that. I was talking to a young man recently who was, you know, talking to me about some of the the sin struggles he is having and and, and in particular, um, you know, uh fornicating and things of that nature, you know, sexual stuff. Um, premarital sex, premarital relations, and he told me this. He was like, you know, I just feel like if God really wanted, didn't want me to do it, I would feel bad about it. And I don't feel bad when I do it. And he was like, I, that, I just kind of take that as like, God's not, God's not upset about it. And I was like, bro, okay, I understand. I'm, I believe you that you don't feel bad. I was like, but that's why you don't go off of your feelings. You go off the word and the word condemns that action. The word says like, that's not of, of God. Right, God's never going to bless that. And then I had to, I had to point this out to him. I said, I think what you have is what the Bible calls a seared conscience. Right? The Bible talks about our conscience becoming seared, and what a seared conscience is is that you, through repetition of doing a particular sin, the very first time you do it, it stings. Right? You're like, ooh. I know I'm not supposed to do that. The conviction hits, the guilt hits, whatever it is, that feeling of I have stepped over the line kicks in. But then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And over time, you don't feel anything. You get numb, right? And it's not that God has stopped talking. It's that you through repetition and muscle memory have gotten good at turning the volume of his voice down. You've gotten good at turning the conviction down. And I was like, I think what you have is a seared conscience. And he was like, he literally looked at me like, why? He's like, that's exactly what I have. He's like, I've been doing this sort of stuff since I was 10 years old. He's like, yeah, I I definitely have that. And I was like, bro, let's pray um, that God would, you know, make your conscience sensitive again, that your spirit would hear his voice. Let's ask him to, to turn that volume of his voice back up that you have turned down. And I think a lot of times we just, we base either if we feel saved on our feelings or if we feel convicted on our feelings and the word of God has to be our guide, right? Now there are things that the Bible doesn't say are sin, but then you can go based off, Hey, I feel convicted about that. The Holy spirit has told me, I know the Bible doesn't say in black and white and red that that is off limits, but the Holy spirit has told me that's a boundary I don't need to cross. Then that's where you go based off of your feeling of conviction is when the Bible doesn't speak on it. But there are certain things and fornicating and having premarital relations and screwing around with your girlfriend. 
The Bible has plenty to say about that. The Bible has plenty to say about homosexuality. And there is not one place the Bible says homosexuality is okay. It condemns it in the Old Testament and it condemns it over and over in the New Testament. Okay. These are things I'm not going to budge on. I don't, I don't like that our generation is trying to erase that from the word. Like it's in there. I'm bound to the book. Okay. I don't care what generation I woke up in. I'm bound to this. And I'm not going to take it out just because it's culturally insensitive to to preach that. I'm like, I don't really care, okay? Because again, we're too based on our senses. It's I'm too I'm, I'm that's insensitive. Well, I'm not talking about senses. I'm talking about scripture, all right? And no. that's what we've got to go off of. And whether it's I feel saved or I feel guilty, it's really not about that. It's about aligning yourself with truth and t- and asking the truth to dictate your feelings, yeah. not your feelings dictate what is true. You know, and one illustration that I have of that is if you're a good father and your four-year-old kid feels like eating ice cream every day and running out on the road to, to get his ball, do you think it's okay to let him run on the road to get his ball? No. Probably not. Just like in our lives... Whenever we grow, we still have these false feelings that seem completely okay to us and don't realize we're about to get smacked by a car. Yeah. You know, and I just think that, um, you know, you can't live by feelings, especially until you get God's feelings, right? And emotions aren't bad once they're connected to the heart of God, mm-hmm. right? Feelings aren't bad once they're connected to to God's heart and who he's made you to be, right? Whenever I get into, whenever you get into a deep state of worship and there's bliss, right? Those emotions, those feelings, they come up. But whenever it's against what the Bible is saying, if you have a, if you have a feeling like, oh, wow, this, you know, you're looking at a girl and I, oh man, you start getting these feelings. Those don't line up with scripture and you, they, you know, just because you, feel a certain way Mm. it's not love it's not this it's not you have to cut that off and connect again to the heart of god this is can i just give you some advice here is why you should never try some of the things you don't want to become addicted to if i never have it it's impossible for me to miss it if i if i never taste it it's impossible for me to miss it i'll just be honest that's one of the reasons i have never had one drop of alcohol in my in my whole life i don't want to ever miss it It's one of those things I don't see. This is, again, I don't have Bible for this. The Bible speaks against drunkenness. The Bible speaks about uh, staying in your right mind, being sober, like being able to judge soberly. Um, So I I do think that that we have to draw the line somewhere, but the Bible does not condemn even the slightest, like just a little bit of alcohol within reason, right? Um, But for me, again, one of those convictions where you have to go on how you feel to a degree, the Holy Spirit has told me, Alcohol is not for you. Um, I don't know exactly why that is. I don't know if maybe I have an addictive personality, if I'd like it too much, if I'd be too loose with it, but I just trust that his leading is okay. And so anyway, I, I, you have to get to that point where it's like, I know me and I know my parameters. I know where the Lord has told me to draw the hard lines. I know, I know where the scripture draws the hard lines, and then I know where the Lord has told me to draw extra hard lines. And that's where you have to continue just to be aware of, know thyself, right? You have to know yourself and know what trips you up, know what calls to you. You know, what calls to me may not call to you. And that's why I can't judge your convictions, right? 
And that's the stupid thing we do all the time. People who are more, you know, people who have higher standards than us, those people are legalistic. While people who have, you know, slightly different, maybe a little bit more open standards than us, like their standards aren't as high, they're, you know, sloppy and sloppy agape, sloppy grace, greasy grace people that they're just like, you're barely living, sloppy agape, you're barely living for God because, and we think that we're the definition of balance. I'm the definition of, I'm the definition of healthy. That if you're more, if your convictions are higher than me, you're legalistic. And if your convictions are maybe lower in some area than me, well, then you're just taking advantage of the grace of God. And, and you think that you're the definition of truth. And, and that right there is idolatry of self. That right there is arrogance. And the Holy Spirit is definitely telling you, you are out of line. And that's where we have to come back and say, God, how do I not step over the lines that you've given me? How do I become the truest form of Kenan that I can be? Because here's the, here's the truth. Kenan's not even my real name. Y'all are like, what? Kenan's not your real name? Kenan is my real earthly name. But Revelation chapter two says that John the Revelator sees the Lord place in his hand a stone. And on that stone is inscribed a name that no one else has that the Lord only calls the apostle John by. That that is what ultimately, that there is a name that has been inscribed on a white stone that the Lord, whenever you cross over into eternity, the Lord is gonna hand you a stone on, on which is inscribed a name that only belongs to you. And it will no longer be Cole and it will no longer be Braden or Joel or Joel Braden. It will no longer be Keenan. I will no longer be identified with the mess ups and screw ups and the trips of Keenan. I will be identified with the name that the Lord calls me. And, and that's the place we've got to get to is Lord, how do I become that on this side of heaven? right? Because that's who we're called to be. If, if Jesus didn't die just to get us into heaven, but heaven into us, then we should have access to all of that. And the Bible says this, you have not because you ask not. It's about learning to ask the right questions. God, how can I become the truest form of Kenan? Not just once I'm in glory and I'm in the pearly gates, but right now, how do I become that unadulterated, un- unleaded, the, the real raw form of who you created me to be. And the ideal thing is that, I mean, again, this is a high and lofty deal, but the ideal thing, I think the thing that God wants for all of us is that there's almost no discrepancy between who we are in our last breath here and who we are in our first breath in heaven. That's where the Spirit's leading you, to where you pass over and nothing changes. You just lose this physical state. You lose this physical body, which one day the Bible says you're going to be given back. I guess it's appropriate to go. So it is finished, guys. This is the episode. <laughs> That's the episode. We thank you all for tuning into this episode. We pray that this is a resource for you all. Share it with a friend. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks, as always, Keenan, for coming on. Without a doubt. Um, we pray this blesses you. We'll see you in the next video. <laughs>